actually prepared this episode several weeks ago, but I hadn't gotten the chance to record it. Every time I sat down to record it, it just seemed like it was really, really loud. I have puppies that are living upstairs, the snow would be melting, trucks would be outside, whatever it was, it just seemed like it was not the right time to do podcasting. And I tried to do it from my closet, but I have a really, really old closet. It doesn't even close with hangers. And as I was sitting in there trying to balance everything, I just decided this was not how it was supposed to be. And I even tried to do it from my office at work, but turns out I realized that the heating system is super loud in my office. So it's taken a really long time to actually sit down and be in a place where I felt like I could think, I could talk about this topic well, but that was also appropriate for the media that that I'm using for podcasting. This morning, I was sitting and drinking my coffee and I realized, wow, it's actually really quiet in here right now. And I kind of soaked that in and realized, oh, I've actually been trying to avoid recording this episode. Maybe that's something that someone could interpret and say that that means that we shouldn't be talking about it. But I think instead what it means is that I need to start this episode off in total humility. And I'm Cecilia Ciccone, and Jesus loves you, this I know, because he made men. As I said, I'm going to start from a place of total humility, that I am not an expert. I'm not an expert on anything that I talk about in this podcast, but I am someone who loves God and someone who is deeply loved by him. As we explore this topic, which is really hard, which I'll admit, it scares me a little bit more than talking about women, which we did in the last episode. And if you'll remember, hopefully you listened to it. If you haven't, please go back and and listen to episode 12. But that was when we were talking about women not based on stereotypes or some kind of disposition that women have, but actually on what God has revealed through the female body. And I felt a little bit more comfortable talking about this because that's something that I have had to confront in my own life is, okay, I am a woman. What is God showing me, revealing to me through my body? It's much more difficult for me as a woman, especially a single woman, to talk about that with men. But I don't want to perpetuate this idea that it's more complicated than it seems like it is. And I know that there are people who study gender studies who make this very complicated because the human experience has so many different layers, so many different traumas that are a part of it. And so I don't want to undermine that. But I also don't want us to just skip over the beauty and the simplicity of femininity and masculinity. So in humility, I am going to encourage you to reach out to me and have this conversation, say, hey, I didn't agree with this, or wow, I never thought about it that simply. Please reach out to me. Let me know what you think. And so I'm going to start again with humility and admitting that my experience of masculinity is very limited in terms of the men who have been a part of my life. One of the times as an adult that that became clearest was when I was traveling in Europe and I traveled to London alone. And while I was there, I stayed in an Airbnb with a man. He was a very kind, very respectful man. It was his apartment. But I was acutely aware of all of the things that could have gone wrong. I was acutely aware in that situation that I was in his house. I was acutely aware that he was bigger than me, that he was stronger than me. I was acutely aware that he had a lot of power over me. 
that's something that all of us can probably understand in one situation or another. That's a very vulnerable situation to be in. And the entire time that I was there, I was worried about what he might do, being aware of this power that he had. But the whole time, he just made sure that I was provided for. He made sure that I had the key. He made sure that lights were on when I came home. He made sure that I had enough towels. I was very aware of what could have gone wrong. And I said, I shouldn't have done this. I won't be doing this again. But afterwards, when I realized that Serge had used his power that he had over me, not to extort me, not to take advantage of me, but he used it as a way of hospitality. Yes, he was the only one who knew where the towels were, so he made sure that I had enough. He's the only one who knew where the light switches were, so he made sure that they were left on. Having that power and not using it for self-gain, but for others. That's what Serge did. We're going to be talking about men in this episode. And this is men as the stronger sex, physically more dominant, just talking about bodies that men wear their sexuality on the outside, that the power and the privilege of being a man is more overt than for women. And also, physically speaking, when we're talking about male sexuality, they are the givers. In the last episode, we talked about women being recipients, and because women are naturally recipients, they show how we all are to receive God's love. Men are naturally the givers. They show what it means to pour out themselves for love of another. Now that pouring out doesn't do anything if there's no one there to receive it, but no matter how good someone is a recipient, if there's no one giving love, it doesn't matter. So between men and women, we have this really beautiful complementarity. This makes it seem, though, that men are the ones in control. That if men decide not to give, if they decide just to use their power for their own good, everyone else is out of luck. This means that men can naturally establish dominance in a society, in a relationship, and it seems like women just can't compete. So as a society, what this has meant is that instead of saying, okay, let's learn how to teach the powerful to be more selfless, to give of themselves, instead we've said, okay, every man for himself. What we see then in society is that when every man is for himself, we all hurt each other and no one actually benefits. So we're returning in this discussion. Last time we talked about how good it is to receive That's how Jesus shows us that he loves us through women. Now, in this discussion of men, really what we're going to be focusing on is how Jesus loves us by showing us how good it is to give. Not just like it makes you feel good when you give sort of situation, but this reality that the world is a better place when we don't hold on to the things that we have out of fear, out of a need to provide only for ourselves, but when we can let go of them If we're talking about men being like the stronger sex, the one that's more easily able to dominate, it seems like God would have established men then to dominate the world. But the opposite seems to be true, actually. And I think the best place to find this explanation is in the book of Exodus. So in the book of Exodus, the Hebrew people, the Jewish people were enslaved in Egypt after God sent lots of plagues. If you remember the Prince of Egypt, it's wonderful, uh, really powerful scenes to see all of the signs that God gave to show that he is the one that is most powerful to give Pharaoh the opportunity to freely let the Hebrew people go. But it didn't work. Pharaoh just kept 
the Jewish people enslaved. And so eventually he instructs the Jewish people to celebrate the Passover. So this is a special holiday in which they would kill one unblemished male lamb. They'd roast it. There were lots of prescriptions given for exactly what they were to do. And then they were supposed to take the blood of the lamb and spread it over their doorposts. The angel of the Lord, as we hear in Exodus, would go over the houses and would kill the firstborn sons of the Egyptian people, just as Pharaoh had done to the Hebrew people. But the angel of God would skip over the Jewish houses because they would see this slaughtered lamb, the lamb's blood over the doorpost. Now, I realize that description, if you're not familiar with it, probably seemed super complicated. But what I want to return to is just the fact that God gave the very specific prescription that it was to be an unblemished male lamb. Unblemished, why? Because God wanted the best. He didn't want the Hebrew people to just sacrifice, you know, the sickly one who was about to die anyway. God said, no, I want you to give me a healthy lamb. But I want it to be a male lamb. Because you see, when you think about the herd, you only needed to have one male to keep the herd going. But you had to have several females because the females could only have one lamb at a time. So in asking the Hebrew people to sacrifice an unblemished male lamb, God was both saying, I want your best. And he was saying, I want you to continue to survive. I want you to be able to continue to flourish. Males were sacrificed. Those were the animals that were sacrificed. God also designed humanity in this way that makes sense. That yes, men are stronger, so it makes sense for them physically to go off to war. But it also ensures our survival as a people. It enables us to live according to his will when we have certain members who are focused on sacrificing at the core of their very existence. That's what they are made for. That's why they are strong, is so that they can have more to give. And then to have this other half of our species that receives that giving. So what this comes down to is that men sacrifice. That's what's in their nature. That's not saying that women don't sacrifice because, oh my goodness, talk to any mother. Definitely sacrifice. But men have this power, have this strength, specifically so that they can sacrifice it. Specifically so that they can use it to pour themselves out, to give of themselves to others. Really, it's perfect. That for one another, in everything that we do, We have to have this complementarity that God has written into the human body. God has written into the human body that we need to give and we need to receive. That's the only way that it works. If we're only concerned about receiving for ourselves or if we're only using our our domination, using our power to give without receiving anything in return, then we're not living the fullness of human life. But this isn't normally what we think of with men. We don't normally think of men as sacrificial, even though that's what's written into their bodies. But as a rule, we rarely as humans actually reveal everything that God has desired to reveal in us. As we've talked about before, that's because of sin, because we have experienced lots of men who have been powerful and have not sacrificed. They have not lived up to what God has called them to embody. 
Now, I also want to kind of switch because we can think of sacrifice in terms of brave heart, of like bravery in terms of being willing to die, which is certainly true, especially for men and women who are in the armed forces. That type of sacrifice that they give is real, and that's a real type of sacrifice. But I want to bring it back down to the level of the family, just because this is really something that is super relatable, that shows that the sacrificial love that we're called to do is not just to die for one another, although in the example I'm about to give, that is part of it, but also to die for one another in little ways every single day. In, you know, leaving the last cookie for a family member who you know will love it, you know, that's a little way to die to yourself. That sacrifice that God shows us that that is what love is. That is what God is revealing through men. So this example, and I'm going to have to put a spoiler alert at the beginning, this movie is a couple of years old. So if you haven't seen it yet, um, you should definitely just pause now, go and watch it, come back. But the movie is a quiet place. There were a lot of reasons why it is a touching and impactful movie technically it's like suspense, maybe horror. I I would say it's more of a suspense film. Basically, the premise is that there are these aliens, these monsters that have taken over the earth that cannot see. They can only hear. And when they hear, they can hear from really far distances. And when they hear something, they go and they eat it, basically. So this film follows this family that has to be quiet all the time. But the wife gets pregnant. There's one daughter who cannot hear, so the family knows sign language, so that's really advantageous for them. But they know that when the woman has the baby, the baby is going to cry. So they go to these great lengths, and especially the husband goes to these great lengths in order to protect his family and to protect their newborn baby. It takes a lot of energy. They set up very extensive ways to alert one another if there's a problem, ways to help each other to cope with this difficult situation. It's just constant sacrifice. And John Krasinski, who plays Jim in The Office, is actually the father in this film. The pivotal scene of this film is when the family is about to be eaten. The, the kids, they've made too much noise. And John Krasinski, as the father, goes out and sacrifices himself for his family. He gives himself to the monsters so that the rest of his family can live. And what's so beautiful about this is that it's actually those small sacrifices along the way, learning how to use sign language so that he could communicate with his daughter, spending the extra energy to figure out how to give his family a safe environment to welcome a baby. All of those small sacrifices led up to this ultimate sacrifice as a father for his family. God did not just create men so that they could sacrifice themselves for women, though. That's not what I'm trying to say at all. This does not pertain only to men. I am not speaking only to men. I'm not speaking only to women saying, raise your standards. (laughs) No, this is how Jesus loves us because he made men. He showed us that power is not meant to scare us. It's meant to assure us of love. We have power in any way so that we can pour it out for the sake of those who do not have that same power. And the reason why God revealed this in men is because God knew that we would be tempted to be afraid of him. When you look at the gods of the old world religions, especially in Babylon and Egypt, they were terrifying. 
It's very natural to think of a God who has ultimate power and to want nothing to do with him. But God shows us that he is also the ultimate giver, that the fact that he has ultimate power allows him to give us everything. And he does. St. Paul has this line. He says, everything belongs to you because you belong to Christ and Christ belongs to God. We are made in God's image. So we have the same power so that we can pour it out again. The problem is that we're sinful. God made men to reveal that love is focused outward on the other person, that gifts are meant to be shared, that when we have something that someone else doesn't, we help them. But instead, because of sin, we've taken to using that for our own advantage. It's something that's very obvious in men and everything that has come out with the Me Too movement in the area of sexuality, but that's the dynamic for anything. That's what we see in the area of race. We see it even in the area of religion. We see it in the area of money. All of these situations, when we have power, we don't lay it down. We don't sacrifice it for love of another. As a result, we don't clearly reflect the image of God. When we think of God as being a father, we might think of our own fathers. And none of our earthly fathers is perfect. And so when we think of our own fathers, we think of men who probably use their power over us, their role in ways that were not giving of themselves, that were not loving. They also might have withheld. They might not have stood up for us. They might not have sacrificed when we really needed them to. And so then it's easy to look at God and say, well, if God's just like my earthly father, I want nothing to do with him. That's how we have perverted God's image. We who were supposed to reflect the fact that you can trust God, even though he has ultimate power, that you can actually trust God precisely because he has ultimate power and uses it to care for you. Instead, we're afraid of him. What we're going to talk about in the next episode is we're going to talk about Jesus. We're going to talk about the fact that in Jesus Christ, in God becoming a man, he shows that we really can trust him to the end. And I just want to make this a little bit concrete. Even in my life as a podcaster, my life as a woman, this reality that God has revealed through men, the importance of sacrifice And that is that I truly believe that God has given me a grace that he has not given to everybody else. I don't think that I'm better than anyone else because I know God's love, because I trust in it, because I believe in it. I think that God has made it abundantly clear. And I also believe that God has made it abundantly clear so that other people can know how abundantly clear his love is. It would be very possible for me, and it's something that sometimes I get stuck in when I realize, wow, God's love is so obvious. It's everywhere all around us. How dare these people not recognize it? And I could slap them over the head with Bible verses and say, what do you mean? I could point out their sin. I could make them feel bad, make them feel shame. And this is a real temptation because not only have I experienced God's love, I've studied it, I have experience of it, but whenever I catch myself doing that, It always is clear to me that I'm trying to make myself the focus, that I'm trying to further my position in the opinions of others, that I want them to see me as holy precisely by doing something that God would not do. The opposite is that it's life-giving when I acknowledge what I have received and instead use it to sacrifice. For example, I make less money in the ministry that I'm working in now 
I use my weekend time, the days that I have off, I use it to plan and record this podcast when my apartment isn't super loud. On social media, I open myself up to having difficult conversations. And please, God, I pray that this leaves room, that my sacrifice, my pouring out, leaves room for then me to receive from him. So we have this constant sacrifice giving of ourselves so that we can receive, just as we see in a human relationship. So hopefully in these past few episodes, you see that the goodness of men and of women, it's not just superficial, it's not stereotypical, and it doesn't pertain only to procreation, only to having kids. The goodness of men is not only for the sake of men, and the goodness of women is not only for the sake of women. We all have the image of God in us, and we manifest it in different ways. So we've been talking about men having power and their place in creation as being to sacrifice. Jesus gave us the ultimate sacrifice. So get ready for the next episode. And in order to do that, I'm going to invite you to a difficult exercise. It won't be for everyone, so please discern, follow the Holy Spirit, decide whether or not the Holy Spirit is asking you to think about this question. What is your experience of masculinity, and how does that affect how you relate to Jesus? Again, I'll repeat that. What is your experience of masculinity, and how does that affect how you relate to Jesus? To help frame that, I'm going to share what some people consider to be a controversial few verses from the Bible. It's from the letter of St. Paul to the Ephesians. But really, in light of this question that I just asked, in light of what we have heard in this podcast, I invite you to really consider what masculinity is and how Christ revealed that. So this is a reading from the letter of St. Paul to the Ephesians. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands, as you do to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body, of which he is the Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy cleansing her by the washing with water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church, without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated their own body, but they feed and care for their body, just as Christ does the church for we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I am talking about Christ and the church. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. This week's saint of the week is St. Philip Neri, and I really love St. Philip Neri. I think he's a great example of using power, of using place in society, even of using God-given masculinity as a form of sacrifice. And it's funny because as I was thinking about what saint to pick for this episode, there are lots of male saints who were great warriors. There were lots of male saints who were martyrs, who actually gave themselves up in that ultimate way, that ultimate sacrifice for love of God. There are male saints who gave themselves up for for the sake of their families. Saint Philip Neri is none of those. Okay, so St. Philip Neri is also known as the patron saint of comedy. He was 
known for his lightheartedness, for his love. Of course, he was known for his holiness, his love of God. But he ran what was called an oratory, where he had lots of young seminarians, lots of young men who would come to him to to learn, would learn about the faith, would learn how to become holy. Many of them went on to become priests themselves. And so he had this real position of power, and he would often hear confessions for hours and hours and hours. So he was in this position where people were bringing their ultimate vulnerability to him, and he was the one essentially who could decide whether they would know that Jesus loved them or if they would feel as though they were despised. And he used that often to do things that were funny, to make lighthearted jokes. So there's the example of he would give different penances to the young men who came to him in confession to show themselves just not to take themselves so seriously. So if someone was extremely prideful, he would invite them to go out into the street in their worst clothes. He would do things that were very simple. He was a brilliant man. And he used it, the fact that he knew so much, the fact that he had been so impacted by God's love, he used it to become accessible. He used it to become more simple. He used it to really fully live out his humanity. And because he lived out his humanity without feeling the need to dominate, with being able to pour himself out just like Christ asks of us, he was able to reflect the image of God. So St. Philip Neri, pray for us. My love tap this week is that I have gotten a package. It's funny, I a couple of episodes I was talking about the United States Postal Service and how it's been driving me crazy. I got this unexpected package this week. I opened it up, and on the inside, there was an author copy of a book that I had contributed to. I was so excited to see it. I had actually already purchased my own copy of the book, so I had kind of been like, oh, well, it was really, really nice to be remembered. It was really, really nice to remember that I had contributed to this project that reveals the glory of God. I reached out to the editor who had mailed it to me, and I thanked her, and she said, I had mailed that package before Thanksgiving in November. So at this point, we're like two and a half months later. I could have gotten frustrated. I could tell she was a little bit frustrated. But what was so beautiful about that was that God knew that I needed that package that day. God knew that I needed to be reminded that even in my brokenness, even in my weakness, even as I feel as though I can't do anything, he is still bringing and bearing good fruit. Praise be to God for that. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Dear Lord, thank you for entrusting the image of yourself to us. Thank you for creating us in our image. We are sorry and we weep over the fact that we do not always or we rarely reflect your image wholly. We ask, Lord, that you will send your Holy Spirit upon to sanctify and to guide us so that in each second that we are alive, we become more and more conformed to your image so that you can be seen more clearly through us. Lord, we pray especially in reparation for people whom we have hurt in your name, for people who have been hurt by our witness to your love. We pray, Lord, for people who struggle because of works that have been done in your name that are so contrary to you, Lord. Repair our brokenness. Come in and show your glory. This is something that we ask as we do all things in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. This has been Jesus Loves You, This I Know, a podcast on God's love. 
My name is Cecilia Ciccone, and I would love to connect with you on social media, where you can find me at CEC Squared. I'm still also super excited about our new website, so make sure you visit JesusLovesYouPod.org. Please consider donating to help support the costs of running this podcast, its production, the website, and the coffee that I drink while I plan and record it. You can donate at JesusLovesYouPod.org or by Venmo to at CEC underscore squared. Thank you so much for your generosity and may God bless you. All right, that's it for this week. Until next time, we'll be united in prayer. And remember, Jesus loves you, this I know, because, well, because...